are listening to the Art of Kings podcast show, where our mission is to change the world through men's development. If you're interested in mastering self, building generational wealth, and creating an impactful legacy, then be sure to hit subscribe and join the strongest family on the face of the earth. Peace, family. Welcome to another episode of the Art of Kings podcast show. As always, I'm your host, Sion Stevens. Before I jump into today's episode, if you are not already subscribed to this podcast, meaning you are not already an official member of the Art of Kings family, pause this episode, subscribe, turn on the notifications, and then go ahead and follow us across our social media platforms at underscore Art of Kings underscore. We are on all major social media platforms, and there you guys can see daily reels, updates from the community, and most importantly, you guys can engage with other members of the Art of Kings family. That is the most important thing to me. You guys are the foundation of men's culture. You guys are the next generation of masculinity and everything else that we talk about on this podcast. You guys are that. You guys are that source of energy. So it's so important that you guys can collaborate with one another and let us know your thoughts on episodes, on clips, on guests, so on and so forth, because we really, really do cherish it and value you guys' opinion and time. So that being said, let's jump into today's episode. So three life-changing lessons that I learned from Cat Williams. And so, yes, I wanted to bring this up because it is a trending topic. Cat Williams, he has been trending everywhere. I'm sure everywhere that you guys look, you've probably seen clips from the podcast episode on uh, Club Shay 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 or Swayze whatever I don't I, I really don't know shout out to him that was a really great podcast uh, <laughs> but I wanted to talk on it because Cat Williams is a master in his in his craft he's a master comedian he is one of the greatest comedians of all time in that he had to put in some sort of effort and work above everybody else who has ever tried comedy and so I always study masters I have you guys probably have heard me spoke speak about it on podcasts before. I love to study masters, even if they're not in my field, because there's things that you can learn from them that apply to all facets of life. And so that's exactly what I did. And I compiled three main things that I learned from him. And I'm going to be talking about these in today's episode. So I want to just say as a disclaimer, I'm not saying that I agree with everything that Cat Williams said or that I disagree with anything that he said. That's not what this podcast episode is about even if you guys disagree with me that's completely fine I'm not even just talking about this episode but on other episodes or anything that I've said that's completely fine you guys know that I'm not a speaker my solo episodes I'm just keeping it a buck with the community I'm not the art of kings podcast show I just have solo episodes here because I own the fucking brand (laughs) but you guys you guys will hear from coaches and other people who are not me who other other people who make up the art of kings community and you guys make up the art of kings family so I'm also just here to talk about things because I think that they are very important to hear from the perspective of somebody who is really looking to master a craft, the craft of business and grow once again, the largest business empire in American history. You guys will hear me talk about that all the time on the podcast. That's my mission. That's what I'm striving to do. So therefore I put myself in situations and circumstances and I build habits that I think 99% of humanity would never, ever, ever do. And I think it's interesting that you guys can hear my perspective on that journey. So with that being said, let's just jump into today's episode. So three life-changing lessons that I learned and wrote down while listening to and studying Cat Williams' podcast episode. So first thing that really jumped out to me, treat every day like it's your last. And something that he said 
and I've heard this before, and I'm sure you guys have heard this before, you know, treat every day like it's your last, and you'd be surprised at what you could do. And I really started to think about that when he was saying it, because he said, really, really, really do it. Like, before you go to bed every night, be like, even if I don't wake up tomorrow, I'm good, we good, all right, I'm content. That was really powerful for me, because that actually, like, that made it seem so much more real, right? Like, before you go to bed, to reflect on it and be like, damn, if I don't wake up tomorrow, am I content? That shit was powerful to me. And it really made me think, what would you do if each day was your last, right? What would you really do? How much money do you think you can make in a day? Genuine question. Don't I didn't have it written down. And I'm by myself in the studio right now. So I'm just asking you guys listening. Like, how much money do you think you can make in a day if you just put your mind to it? Let's say, let's say even if you, I don't know, say even if you were to go to jail or something like that. I don't know. What, what? What do you think you could do to make the most money in a day? Who would you reach out to? Who would you try to collaborate with? Who would you try and just sell stuff to? You probably reach out to everybody you know to be like, buy this or like, I'm selling this. I'm selling these things. Like, do you want to buy this? Or, you know, I'm going to try and collaborate with somebody who I would have never reached out to before. Or if there's a girl that you really been feeling for a long time and you like, you know, you've been feeling her for a long time. You think that she could be the one for you, but you haven't asked her anything yet. You probably ask her and be like, yo, I'm dying tomorrow. Fuck it. It doesn't matter. Even if she says yes, no, whatever. I'm dying tomorrow. This is my last day on earth. You probably do a bunch of wild, wild, wild things. And so when I thought about that, I was like, damn, if I, if I like, like was thinking, you know, the next day I might not be here, I'll probably do a lot of wild, crazy things. A lot of crazy things. And I started to think about where would that would lead me. And I don't know where it would lead me, but maybe that's like the adventure of life. Who knows? So obviously you're not going to commit any sort of crazy crimes and different things like that. But you're definitely going to do stuff that you probably would not do otherwise. And so that was really powerful for me to to think about in that way, because there's a lot of things that I'd probably do if it was my last day that I might not be doing. And then I thought, why? Why wouldn't I like why wouldn't I? As long as it doesn't involve jail time and it doesn't involve breaking the law and it doesn't involve harming, actually harming anybody, it really just comes down to you being able to tolerate potential failure, maybe embarrassment, all things that are personally damaging to the ego, and that's pretty much it. And so when I thought about that, I was like, wow, is that really what is stopping people or stopping me or anybody from living each day like it was genuinely my last so I really thought about that. That was super powerful for me. And that's been something that I've been working to do for a couple years. But when he said to like think back every single night and be like reflecting on the day, that's it. Might not wake up tomorrow. Am I content? That's something that I've been kind of thinking about each night after I finish reading. That's something I've been thinking about each night. So that's been really, really powerful. Been shaping my next day. Next thing that I learned from Cat Williams during this podcast episode, and if Cat Williams is listening to this podcast somehow or hears it or sees it on YouTube, we're going to try and get it up on YouTube. I want you guys to let us know if you would really appreciate us uh, posting episodes on YouTube. Everybody who's listening to this podcast who's part of the Art of Kings family, let us know because we're really considering posting full-length videos on YouTube as well. We just don't know if that's something the community would really enjoy. So let us know through Instagram. Maybe I'll post a reel or a poll up or something like that on the story. Let us know what you guys think. But anyways, if Cat Williams is listening to this, I'd love to get him on the show. I'd love to have you on the show, Cat. 
<laughs> not to talk about any of the drama or anything like that. I'm sure you've been bombarded with messages like that since the podcast released. But to talk more about your craft, I'm really fucking interested in your craft and how you got to where you're at and the work that you had to do personally in terms of studying, in terms of everything that you had to do to become a master in such a saturated field. Very interested to hear about that. But anyways, the other thing that I learned from Kat is study your competition ruthlessly. He said that in his episode or in the in the podcast episode, he said that he made a list of all comedians he deemed to be funnier than him. And I think it was like a list of 300 people. Don't quote me on that. But I think it was a list of 300 people he said. He said he watched each one of their stand-up shows. So that's 300 people. They probably all had, let's say, at least three three stand-up shows. That's already 900 stand-up shows that he watched front to back with a notepad and pen. Taking notes. And he said he was calculating how many laughs that that comedian generated from the audience. So if that person had nine laughs, if that comedian had nine laughs in the in the stand-up segment and Kat only had seven, he deemed that comedian to be funnier than him. So he said with that list, he was not going to stop until he was number one. And what he means by number one is to have more laughs in a shorter period of time. So let's say it was a 30-minute 30 minute stand-up segment. In his 30-minute seg- stand-up segment, if that person has eight laughs and Cat gets 10, he moves up in the list. He said he studied these people and wrote in his notepad until he was number one, until he was certain that he had more laughs in a certain duration of time than 300 other comedians who he had originally deemed as funnier than him. And so he said that that brought a level of confidence to where it's like, you think you're funnier than this comedian? And it's like, no, I don't think I know I'm funnier than that comedian because I've done all of the work and I've done all the studying. So it's just factual at this point. I am funnier than this comedian. And so obviously it's relative to his field because, you know, funny, how funny somebody is, is completely subjective, but he goes based on the audience. So if the audience believes that he's funnier by giving him more laughs in a certain period of time, then it doesn't matter what he thinks. He just knows that he is funnier to the audience, which is all that matters in his field. And so that's something that I really was inspired by. Something that I was like, damn, he really studied his competition ruthlessly to ensure that he is the dopest, to ensure that he is the best. This is why he's a master of the craft. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. But that's something that most people aren't going to do. Something that most people wouldn't even think to do. Like that is crazy to just sit there and study 300 comedians. But when you're driven like that, like that's something that is very feasible. It probably wasn't that crazy to him. And studying competitors is something that I do as well. It's not that crazy to me. But to hear that somebody else is doing it even in another field and they're doing it that ruthlessly and that meticulously, like, damn, I got to, you know, (laughs) I had to get on on that type of time. I got to really study and be that ruthless when it comes to competition because that is how you ensure and that is how he ensured that he was number one. So that is something that I learned from him that I have been taking very seriously in the way that I've been applying that to my life is just studying other competitors, seeing what they're doing, seeing how the clients respond to their stuff. What could be better? What is, what is it that they're doing that is really dope? Like just studying the competitors a little bit more meticulously and a little bit more ruthlessly as well. So last one is take the risk on yourself. And so he told me 
I said he told me like we were having a conversation. He said on the podcast that he left home at 13 years old from Ohio. Don't fucking quote me on that. You guys know I'm not the best with remembering things that are not really of use to me necessarily. But he said that he left from Ohio, I want to say, to Florida at 13 with like essentially no money. Like he just had a suitcase and maybe like $2,000, something like that, something like that. And he just left. But he had complete faith in himself because it's like, if I'm not successful, then I'm homeless. I'm going to continue to live in the park that I'm living in. Like, so it's either success or homelessness. And so, (laughs) and so when it comes down to that, when your back is really against the wall, when you give yourself no other option, I think that that really brings out the best in you. So when it comes to me, for example, like something that I've really taken away from that and something that helped me realize and been able to articulate recently is that I have no plan B. I'm so passionate about building the largest business empire in American history. And you guys will hear me say that all the time on the podcast. I'm so driven to do that, that there is no plan B. There is no plan B. If there, if that didn't work out, which it, there's no chance of that not happening. That means that I'm dead. I died trying. And so when you really think about that, when you really think about it like that, like there's no other option, not one. The other option is I'm homeless. Cause it's like, you're not working a nine to five. You're not just, you know, working day in and day out until you retire at 65, living the average fucking American life. Like, hell no, that's not, that's damn sure out of the question. So when you really think about it, it's like, damn, I could really invest every single dollar into this, every line of credit into this. I could do whatever it is, spend 24 hours a day if I had to, because what else am I going to do with my life? What else? There's nothing else to do. And so I think that that really gets brought out of somebody when they've taken a huge risk on themselves and they have no other, they have no safety net. He was 13, homeless. There was no safety net. He was already kind of at rock bottom. And so only the, the only way for him was up. And if he were to crash, then he's very familiar with rock bottom. Really can't get much worse, right? And so when there are no other options, I think that it just brings something out of you that is so so dangerous like you become so obsessed and so passionate and driven especially knowing that there's no safety net that you just do things that you might have not done otherwise and so obviously not everybody's going to be in that situation to where if they fail they're homeless the next day but what I do think is that there are ways of thinking that you can adopt to kind of simulate that same sort of mindset Right. If you really eliminate any plan B out of your mind and really think about that, like meditate on that. Like if I really had no plan B, and this is the only thing that I'm going to do. How much effort, how much time, how much money, how much of my energy would I pour into this? And if you're not already pouring all of all of the assets I just named, the entirety of all of those assets, then maybe you are not as serious about the thing as you thought you were. Maybe that plan B is really that safety net and you don't care about plan A as much. But if you eliminate plan B, and this is something that I learned from the Cat Williams podcast episode, if you eliminate plan B, then you have that much more fire when pursuing your plan A. And so those are three things that I wrote down when listening to the podcast episode with Cat Williams. 
I think that, that was a phenomenal podcast episode. I actually learned a lot, not just from Cat Williams, but from the structuring of the podcast. Yeah, motherfucker, I'd be taking notes. <laughs> I'd be taking notes. So we're gonna see. Uh, we're gonna see. Um, and this is kind of just segueing into a little bit of an update for the Art of Kings community, Art of Kings family. We're gonna start to see some updates with the studio, with the presentation of videos on social media. Like I said, we might be jumping into some YouTube videos as well so you guys can get a visual of the actual podcast episodes because we want to perform at the highest level. We are looking to be the number one podcast in the space. So a lot of new updates as always. I don't think there's ever a time where we've not said that there are new things in the works. We're always working. We appreciate the community and the family so much. Thank you guys for tuning into today's episode and we'll see you next week. Peace. Oh, 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 oh,